Hey y'all and welcome to Where All The Ladies At Myth Edition. I'm so happy to have you guys back and listening and even more excited to get into today's topic, which is going to be Calypso because we are covering the Women of the Odyssey for the next seven weeks now. Um, and there are some amazing women in there and some very disturbing ideas that all these monsters in this thing tend to be women. I don't know what that meant about Homer, but I will tell you that it seems to me like maybe he had a little bit of a mommy issue. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not a psychiatrist. It's just a thought. <laughs> and anyway, uh, if you've never been here before, my name's Kim. I am your friendly neighborhood history nerd and mythology nerd. And just basically I'm a nerd. And that is that. And I enjoy it and I'm proud of it. So if you're into history about women that maybe have been overlooked or underrated, then this is the podcast for you. I do a Monday edition with mythology and a Thursday edition with actual women from history and I really appreciate it if you check them all out. With that being said, let's do a little housekeeping before we jump in. If you would like to support the podcast so I can make it better and maybe make more content for you guys, you can do that by following the link in the description box to the buy me a coffee or Patreon, whatever your choice, as well as if you do like what you hear, liking and sharing the podcast with others. The reviews and stuff really go a long way to getting me seen by more people and building more of a community. And the more community we have, the more conversations and dialogue we can have surrounding these amazing women in history. So I think that's it. And now we can dive right into Calypso. Calypso is a nymph that has captivating beauty and unparalleled charm. She is an epic victor center figure in the Odyssey, of course. So before we dive into her story and all of that, we're going to talk about the island she lived on. It seems that a lot of these women, of course, the Odyssey is on the ocean. So of course, a lot of the people that they're going to meet is on islands. For her, she uh, lived on the mythical realm of Ogiagia, Ogiagia. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Once again, I need to start Googling again to make sure I'm pronouncing these right. But it's it's a mythical island and it's the secluded abode of the nymph Calypso. She played a pivotal role in the Odyssey, of course, and so did the island because they, Odysseus and his crew, of course, were captive on her island for seven years. You imagine like trying to get home to your wife and kitties and your, and your country and getting hijacked for seven years. That it's gotta be rough. The island itself is this lush paradise and it's got turbulent seas all around it and it's pretty distant from any known world. Like it's separate from itself. And this is where Calypso does her thing. She has some divine powers. She has this beauty that captivates people. And the island is part of that. And though this island is super important in Greek mythology, there is, much like last week's with Circe's island, no really evidence that the island exists existed. Of course, there's tons of Greek islands, so it's bound to maybe be like a combination of them or like maybe one of them had these like tails to it. So there is a lot of debate on whether it actually existed. The island itself still captivates us as readers and scholars and enthusiasts, and there's still definitely some debates on whether it really is a place. The legacy of it, though, really stands out because the island itself 
itself is a character. I think that's something that's very interesting about the Odyssey is these characters are important, but so are the locations. The location is a character in and of itself. And I find that pretty cool. And I think that's something that maybe a lot of writers don't do nowadays. And that's sad because I do think that the environment that a character is in is definitely part of the whole picture. And that may just be the writer talking. I don't know. Um, and hopefully when I release my novel, uh, sorry, I just hit my keyboard. Um, when I release my novel, I can do that. Fingers crossed, right? So that's it. it it's really, the island really transports you beyond everyday reality. And that's the magic of it, right? That's, she's supposed to be this enchanting, alluring woman. And the island is part of that. Just in, in general, if you think about it, Odysseus is looking for safe haven and a way to get home. And this island becomes a beacon that, oh, maybe there's something there. And then it's a cautionary tale. And it's an amazing part of the story. That's basically the island. There's not much to say about it. And so we can just kind of jump into Calypso now. I think this one might wind up being a little shorter than normal. Ooh, I don't know. We'll see because there's a lot to talk about with Calypso. She's got a pretty uh, interesting background. So as I said in the intro, Calypso is a nymph and her, her tale really spans like beauty and love and passages of time. She was born to the Titan Atlas, Aladdin, Atlas. We'll get to Aladdin at some point, I'm sure. But <laughs> Titan, Atlas, and Oceanid nymph Tethys. And then she takes that celestial background and really molds herself into a goddess of unparalleled allure. She is stunning. She is supposed to be one of the most beautiful women in the world. In fact, her name means most beautiful. And I don't know if that's egotistical. I, and I don't know like if her parents were just like, my baby's so cute, she's the most beautiful. Aha, that's what we should call her is Callisto. I, I don't know if that's how it works, but that's kind of how I see it happening. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just reading into things, but I kind of think that's how it happened. Uh, but because of this lineage, it really connects her to a lot of power. And this is where it all starts roll, rolling, right? So she resides in a myth, her mythical island. This is a place that's really shrouded in mystique and, mystique and isolation. And that kind of adds to the allure. It's kind of that thing like, oh, I can't see like what's in there. It makes you curious. And I think that that's part of anybody's allure is a curiosity, right? Of course, her biggest encounter is with Odysseus in the Odyssey, where she finds him shipwrecked and maroons him for seven years. And of course, this is a whole section of the Homer's epic poem, and she captivates Odysseus with, with, with her charm. It's her beauty, yes, but also like she's super charming. She is maybe mm, one of the most charming women in the world. So not only is she beautiful, but she's charming. And when you've been on the sea and haven't really, you know, been around women that much, you know, it's gonna be interesting, <laughs> all right? You know, looking at her as a psychological and symbol symbolical metaphor, she really imbues the timeless allure of the divine feminine. It's, it's the captivating beauty and irresistible charm I was just talking about. And because she is secluded, that adds more allure. And that in and of itself, the seclusion, is almost like a dream metaphor for spaces beyond the mundane. So outside of the realm of normal man. And the journey to that is something that builds character and can cause you to get lost in your thoughts and everything. When, hence him being marooned for seven years by her. The overall 
overall story or this portion of the Odyssey really has themes of desire and destiny intertwining. They highlight it highlights like a complex nature of like divine and mortal relationships. It's very similar to the interaction with him and Cersei. It just seems like Odysseus just doesn't get the lesson. You know, eventually of course he, he does, but it just seems like he it needs to get beaten into him several times because he keeps falling for the same basic thing. Cersei and Calypso, though different in some ways, are very, very similar. And so it's funny that these two women who have this power and this allure and this charm can captivate this war hero and like basically kidnap him and keep him busy and occupied when he has his destiny and he has his adventure. He's trying to get home to Penelope. It doesn't seem like he's trying too hard if he has to keep learning the same lesson over and over and over again. That's just my opinion and I could be wrong and I'm willing to discuss that. So if anybody has another opinion, please feel free to reach out to me on social media or through my email. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Psychologically though, it her character really dives into like unfulfilled love and longing, which is something, you know, that despite her immortality, she has this aching for loneliness. And once again, it's the same character just with a different name and a different island. Cersei and her have some of the same issues. And the idea that, I don't know, so she really thinks about this Odysseus's yearning to get home. And it really, I think it really touches her in some way because she has a deep contemplation about like the transient nature that comes with life and in particular love. And this can, this adds like a very dynamic depth to the whole part of this story. I think that this part of the story oftentimes gets overlooked for the more grander ones, but it is definitely part of the story that needs to like really be looked at. It, Calypso does eventually let Odysseus go because, you know, divine order, the gods, the gods say, hey, he's got to move on. He's got shit he's got to do. And so that becomes a theme of sacrifice and acceptance and understanding that divine beings and non-divine beings are both subject to the whims of destiny. During this part, her character really changes. She evolves from just this captivating nymph who likes to play with mortals to a uh, more of a symbol for cyclical time and the acceptance of the dualities of life like it's it's a pivotal moment her journey from birth to the end of her association with Odysseus really looks at the exploration of human emotions from the beginning to the end and it's a very much a testament to the interplay between the immortal realms and the mortal realms in Greek mythology it's a it's something that adds like this richness to the Greek myths and really looks at the complexities in the human experience, which is what Greek myth is really all about. Yes, there's gods and heroes and, and goddesses and all these things, martyrs, and but it's really about the human experience. Every myth is about the human experience and helps with something. I apologize, there's kids outside playing. So, oh, kids, love them. So Calypso's character is definitely steeped in symbolism and psychology. It really wants readers to reflect on things like desire, love, and change. It's a it's a pretty poignant reminder of these themes because they really resonate across cultures and time. It doesn't matter where you're from. The humans today have the same issues as humans in mythology had, except for we have television and digital and social media. Like in some ways, yes, there's new challenges, but the same core challenges all remain for humans. And it's really just a lens to really explore like this one, this frustrating and wonderful and awe-inspiring 
existence. So that's Calypso. She's kind of a fun character and definitely one that I really appreciated reading. And, and though, as in all mythology, she's kind of put as the like succubus type who like lures men into her clutches. In the end, she also has a little bit of humanity and, and there's a little bit of heart in there. And I think though there's definitely some sexist overtones and definitely some patriarchy happening, Homer's women characters do have that, uh, what's the word I'm like? That character, is a sh- character trait is what I'm trying to say. So that's Calypso. She's pretty amazing. And now we're going to go into a little bit of story time. And I hope you guys enjoyed last week's. I kind of really enjoy this and I, I hope I do it justice. Definitely not going in depth in the mythology and not reading it all and not, I really stuck with just one, one story. There's 60,000 different stories of the same thing, all with a little different inflection, but I went with one and one only. So here we go. In the age of gods and mortals, there existed a nymph of unparalleled beauty and grace named Calypso. Born of the shimming waves and the gentle caresses zephyr, the west wind, Calypso emerged from the foamy embrace of the sea as a goddess of enchantment. Her eyes sparkled like the stars and her laughter echoed through the heavens, captivating both gods and mortals alike. Calypso, drawn to the solitude of a hidden island, discovered an untouched paradise nestled in the heart of the Aegean Sea. This sanctuary, untouched by the passing of time, became known as Euphoria, a haven of eternal spring where flowers bloomed in perpetuity and melodious songs of birds filled the air. In Euphoria, Calypso reveled in the beauty of her surroundings, yet her heart yearned for companionship. One day, as she strolled along the shores of her enchanted island, she chanced upon a wounded mortal named Atherion. His ship, battered by the storms, had found refuge on the shores of Euphoria. Calypso, moved by compassion, tended Etherian's wounds and nursed him back to health. In the days that followed, the mortal and the nymph forged a bond that transcended the realms of gods and men. Etherian, captivated by Calypso's ethereal beauty and the enchanting aura of Euphoria, felt a love that surpassed mortal understanding. Their days were filled with joy and their nights with the soft glow of celestial radiance. Calypso and Etherion reveled in a love so profound that it echoed through the divine realms. Yet, as mortals are wont to do, Etherion aged while Calypso remained unchanged. Faced with the inevitability of mortality, Etherion expressed desire to return to his homeland, embrace the natural course of life. Calypso, though heartbroken, understood the ephemeral nature of mortal existence. Reluctantly, she granted his wish, invoking the favor of the gods to guide him safely back to his people. As Etherian sailed into the distance, Calypso stood on the shores of Euphoria, her heart heavy with both love and sorrow. The gods, witnessing the purity of their connection, bestowed upon Calypso a gift, the ability to feel the fleeting beauty of mortal emotions, a gift that would eternally echo in the quiet corners of her divine heart. And so, Calypso, the nymph of Euphoria, watched over the mortal world with a bitterest sweet smile, forever touched by the brief, beautiful interlude that graced her secluded island in the tapestry of time. The story of Calypso and Ethereum became a whispered legend, a tale of blood that transcended the boundaries of eternity. And that's the story of Calypso and Ethereum. And how beautiful was that story? So stunning. And one that honestly I had never heard, which is pretty remarkable. I've read a lot of mythology. Not to say I've, I've read every story, of course, like 
that would be ridiculous and probably impossible even for like a mythological scholar but i never read that one and wow just you know a little bit of heartbreak for her and that might be why she is who she is and feels how she feels but that's not all she is because now we're headed for the fantastic five facts and all about calypso so we're gonna start with calypso's parentage her parentage really looks takes a unique glimpse at divinity uh, some versions of the greek mythology calypso is considered the daughter of the titan atlas known of course for bearing the way to the heavens and the ocean nymph tethys the ancestry connects her to the divine and primordial forces in ancient greek cosmos like some of the biggest bad guys like some of the biggest guys right not the biggest bad guys biggest baddest guys oh my lord my words and so next we're going to talk about ogeagias although now that i read that story i really appreciate the the name euphoria which i think is is much easier to say and we're gonna go with it so euphoria's uncharted location so we already talked about this though it is an island in myth it is a central setting and unlike other places in greek mythology with more defined locations this one seems to have a pretty elusive turnabout so it does add a little bit of extra intrigue because you don't know where it is there of course are arguments and locations and some people say it's this island some people say it's that some people says it's made up you know it's kind of the thing with mythology if there's no markers that they can find then they just kind of chalk it up to imagination uh and you know that's that's funny like imagination sparks somewhere so i assume homer got the idea for this island from someplace. And uh, another amazing thing is Calypso had musical talent. In some interpretations, Calypso's character actually is associated with musical prowess. Calypso itself is linked with the word Calypto, meaning to cover, to conceal as well. So we have Callisto, which means like the most beautiful, and Calypto, which is like to cover, to conceal. It's it's so intriguing, the, the word dynamics, and I, I don't even have enough time to talk about that. Uh, so it's believed to be that Calypso had some enchanting music prowess and this is how she uh, veiled and concealed reality this music being used in this way is kind of a prominent thing across multiple different mythologies and allows for a mystical and artistic dimension to be formed around this character period uh, and that is also helps with this captivating charisma you know it's just something that happens uh what was her role in the titanomachy that's a fun word to say she of course her connections extend well beyond Odysseus, right? So she has said to have been involved in Titanomachy, which was the epic battle between the Titans and Olympian gods. And she fought alongside with the Oceanids, who sided with Zeus and the Olympians during that cosmic struggle. And that really is why I, why she probably shows up so prominently in the larger narrative of Greek mythology is because she is said to have been there. And last but not least, Calypso's Island doesn't only show up in the Odyssey, it also is jumps into different works from William Shakespeare's The Tempest. There, the sorceress Sycorax is said to have been banished to an island, the same island that Calypso was banished to. And this really shows that the, the myth of Calypso extends well beyond and into other things and is inspiration to other writers. And that is what, honestly, any writer looks for. So good job, 
job, Homer. You did a great thing, and uh, you are well-known and well-liked across the world, I guess. Uh, and that's the fast five fun, fantastic five facts. Oh, my Lord. The Fs are, are killing me. I did it to myself, really, though. Oh, shit. Um, all right, so that is Calypso. And one more Lady of the Odyssey that we've dove into and had a little time spent with. And I think she deserved it. Uh, she is just one of those that really has so much depth to her. And I think that's something that's really cool. We, I mentioned it earlier. I think the dynamic women characters in Homer, though, like I said, there's still some questionable things happening in these things, is amazing and different for from a lot of the other stories of the time, right? Because these women are all strong and capable, if maybe a little devious, but they're still strong and capable women. And uh, yeah, so that's it. Tune in next week to find out the next Woman of the Odyssey we're covering. And uh, before I leave, if you'd like to support the podcast you can always hit the links in my description box they will take you to buy me a coffee or patreon also i will link some books in the description box as well that will be an amazon link so if you click on there you will also be supporting the channel if you would like to read about this i also have a medium publication it is also linked in there as well as social media platforms so check me out on those as well or shoot me an email however it is remember to like review you and share this podcast because I really want to build a whole community of people that love history and mythology as much as we do and I would greatly appreciate it and uh, that's it guys I'm signing off see y'all next week